I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here this Tuesday for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It is Tuesday, September 12th, 2023, and our catechesis today picks up right where we left off yesterday, uh, where we had the giving of the Sabbath, the rest that we have in Jesus. Um, rest from our labors, of course, um, but also rest for our for our conscience, right, with the forgiveness of sins. And uh, we'll see how the people of Israel didn't seem to actually want to be at rest, but rather uh, grew impatient along the way, and they rose up to um, eat and to drink and to play, as Jesus quotes elsewhere. And we'll see what's all connected to that. Eat and drink and rose up to play. Yeah, I can't remember where that's quoted in the New Testament, but we'll have to find it. All right. Oh, yes, that's 1 Corinthians 10, verse 7. I thought it was 1 Corinthians. All right, good. So we've got it now. So, but before we do that, let's uh, follow our order of congregation of prayer. This is, of course, the half-sheet insert that goes in the Sunday uh, service folder. It's sent out in emails, usually Friday or Saturday. And then also uh, it forms the order of prayer for our day school and also um, for our the homes of our of our families, um, so it goes home with the children on Mondays as well. All right, let's begin. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, let's say our verse together, or excuse me, our psalm. verse comes after the psalm. Psalm. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the just decrees of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right. Memory verse. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Romans 1, verse 16. Then our commandments, uh, excuse me, catechism, is from the Ten Commandments. Today... Oh, I forgot to change this. Nobody said anything yesterday. Third and fourth commandments. There we go. Third commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Four. Honor your father and your mother. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise or anger our parents and other authorities but honor them, serve and obey them, love and cherish them. Hmm. Uh, so this morning, uh, before chapel, uh, one of the children 
uh, was talking to the teacher, um, said, oh, you know, like we said in church on Sunday. And he's like, I wasn't in church on Sunday. I'm like, well, where were you? Uh, well, he was over helping um, prepare food for the picnic rather than come to church. Right? We talked about that yesterday. Uh, and so then the teacher said, don't let pastor hear that. And of course, she said it nice and loud so I could hear that. Um, so then that ended up being an example when we were going through catechesis. I said, uh, what do you do um, if your parents um, say, don't go to church? Oh, <laughs> you know, what? Or that we're not going to go to church today. What do you say to them? And they're like, oh, we just say, okay. I'm like, why? Can't you tell them the third commandment? Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy? That means let's not despise preaching in his word. Let's go to church, hear his word. Like I said, you tell your parents off. And they looked at me cross-eyed. I do this every year. It doesn't matter. But, uh, you know, it doesn't matter in a sense that, you know, it's not a surprise. But they looked at me cross-eyed. And I said, no, you tell your parents that God God wants wants you in church to hear his word. You tell them that that's wrong. And, and so then one of the teachers pipes up and says, but what about the fourth commandment? Honor your father and your mother. Don't despise or anger your parents and other authorities. I said, well, which which is it? Is the third opposed to the fourth? I said, usually, huh? usually um, your parents actually tell you to go to church to keep the third commandment. If you have faithful parents, they're going to tell you, let's go to church, right? Uh, and they're going to do that regularly and repeatedly. Even every day um, our congregation is agreed to gather, which is uh, Sunday mornings. Hmm? And uh, uh, so then that led us into a whole nother conversation about authority, right? Uh, which is the higher authority, God or your parents? Your parents only exercise authority insofar as God has given them. Right? And when they act outside of the authority God has given them, they are actually rebelling against God as too. And then, so I said, well, what about government? We eventually, we did fire and all the other kinds of authorities, but ultimately the government. And a few of the children are like, the government are always wrong. I'm like, no, no, they are given by God for a very particular purpose. Paul is explicit about it, right? Um, to punish those who do evil and to commend those who do, do good. I said, just like your parents, right? They punish you when you do wrong and they commend you when you do well. Yeah. I said, that's the government's role, to come alongside your parents and do that, but on a, you know, on a broader societal level. So what if they command you not to go to church? Well, of course we're going to go to church. If they, mm, We could give historic examples where that's not true, but yeah, of course we're going to we're gonna go hear his word, because, he, because God's command is higher than theirs. Their authority is, is derivative. It's uh, um, submissive, actually, to God. And actually, the government's authority is submissive to the family, according to uh, both our catechisms, uh, our confessions, and the scriptures, ultimately. right? The government can take no authority uh, except that which is given to them uh, by God and is divested from parents to them. I posted that, about that on Facebook yesterday. So uh, mm, the idea that children are to honor their parents um, blindly and never call your parents to, re- to repentance? Mm, what does that say? Right? Who is the higher authority? God. God's command always supersedes even a parental uh, command. All right. Hopefully, usually, with faithful parents, these two things are not at odds with each other. But sometimes they are, right? I'm kind of, um, how do you want to say it? Yes, frustrated is the right word um, with the way that parents um, have not actually, aren't actually instructing children in the way they should go. Um, Now, this is nothing new, um, but it does seem to be more endemic today than than maybe in the past. I don't know. Uh, but in particular, like behavior that we once would thought unacceptable because it was contrary to God's word. Now parents just are like, nah, whatever. That's how kids are these days. Like that, that it's being negligent in the duties that God has given and actually being unfaithful because you're rejecting God's word. 
and the Sabbath day is one such place. Right? All right. We talked about Sabbath. Uh, the word Sabbath just means rest. So you can often substitute that, uh, especially in the New Testament. And so we'll do that here from Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, since the pr- a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said, I, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. All right, so again, we talked about this yesterday. That word for rest, um, katarusin, or katarusin, right? Is that right? No, it's katapusin, posin, katapusin. Um, but yesterday we said some of it was sabbatismos, right? Rest, rest. Yeah, all right. Continuing. Although the works uh, were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. God rested on the Sabbath day uh, from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience, again, he designates a certain day, saying to David, and David, today, after such a long time, as it has been said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For Joshua had given them rest, or if Joshua had given them the rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Right? So a long excursus um, on the nature of Sabbath or rest. Yeah, so it's rest, 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 except for right here in verse 9. There remains therefore a Sabbath for the people of God. So every once in a while, um, the, the preacher of the Hebrew switches to Sabbath from rest, but uh, interchanges the two words in Greek, of course. Um, that's a transliteration from the Hebrew word. All right. Um, so entering rest. God wants us to enter rest, but some did not. Well, that doesn't mean that none will. There will be a rest for the people of God. Just as God rested from his, so he wants us and will have us rest in him. All right. Speaking of not resting in him, um, Exodus chapter 32 Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For for as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand. And he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. 
Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with, your, with a mighty hand? And why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them and to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from the harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of I will give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. All right. So Moses delayed coming down the mountain. We talked about how, um, you know, how the people then grow impatient. We've seen a lot of impatience along the way. Um, they Remember, Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the 70 elders were on the mountain. All right, and then Moses is, receives the instruction for the for the sanctuary, all the accoutrement for the for the um, tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant. Well, we spoke of these things, the vestments, etc. And uh, Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. That was way back in chapter twenty-four of Exodus, right? And then we had the giving of uh, or the recording of what was given to Moses in those forty days. All right, lots of note taking. Uh, but Aaron and and uh, the his sons and the 70 elders, they come back down the mountain. And so, uh, because Moses delays, the people come to Aaron and ask of him, make us gods that shall go before us to lead us where? I guess to the promised land. Of course, that's they're not remembering the promise either. Uh, so here, make us gods. What is a god? You could say idols, but that would be the pejorative. Here, just simply God. Anything, first commandment, anything or anyone that um, we put our trust in for good in our lives. We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things, right? I um, note what they say about Moses. We don't know what's become of him. Um, now Aaron should know better. He knows exactly where Moses is, and he knows what's going on with Moses. Of course, there was the cloud and um, the judgment, the thunder and lightning, and the fire upon the mountain. So I suppose um, they might have thought Moses was consumed. Put try to put some best construction on it here, but Aaron should know better. He should have corrected him. This reminds me, of course, of Adam's negligence to correct Eve when tempted, right? Uh, and so instead, Aaron uh, just capitulates, right? Bring me the gold earrings, that uh, famous 70s uh, rock band, right? Golden earring. <laughs> and what did the people do? They take off their earrings and jewelry and give it to Aaron to make the golden calf. Um, this is set in contrast, actually, to what the word given by um, the Lord to Moses, which he will later speak to them. Uh, we'll hear this not for a little while in Exodus 35, right, where he speaks to the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of willing heart, let him bring an offering to the Lord, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, ramskins dyed, red, badger skins, acacia wood, oil for, etc., etc. Right? All for the tabernacle. All the gold for the tabernacle. That's what it's supposed to be, to have been used for. That uh, plunder, if you like, that Israel had taken out of Egypt. But instead, here, they fashion it into a golden calf. Actually, he, Aaron, fashioned it with an engraving tool, uh, engraving the mold, the molded calf. Uh, this will be interesting when we set it in contrast to Aaron's response to Moses when he comes down. Uh, and we'll see that tomorrow. The people say about the calf, this is, they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. All right, so now we see an equivalence here. Um, or syncretism, <clears throat> right? The God of Egypt, the calf, is also the God that brought them out of Egypt, 
This reminds me of, uh, I thought of this this morning. Um, I don't think I've made this connection before, that uh, Jesus' state, uh, statement of how can um, Satan be divided against himself? Any kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So by saying that this God of Egypt brought them out of Egypt, they're saying that the Egyptian gods actually are opposed to, to each other. Or, yeah. All right, Aaron sees opportunity though. Singular God, O Israel, fine. So uh, let's build an altar. The people have received this uh, golden calf. Uh, we'll build an altar before it. And uh, we'll make an offering or feast to the Lord. By the way, this, this Lord is Yahweh. It's usually all caps. All right. So he's saying that, that the golden calf is a token, a representative of Yahweh. Um, why would they need a golden calf? Why would they need some icon of Yahweh's presence? I think it's important to note in the Hebrew way of thinking. Moses is God's representative. But if Moses is absent, then God is absent. No, that's not really true, but that's how they're thinking. Right? It's the same way as like, oh, don't let pastor hear what you're saying. Well, God still hears, so why does it matter if pastor hears or not? <laughs> Except pastor is the one who's actually going to rebuke you publicly um, before the rest of the school. Yes, uh, so there you go. So this uh, calf is like, uh, it's a substitute for, for Moses, for God's representative. Um, again, Aaron's been negligent in his duty as priest as well. Um, and here he says as much, well, oh, I remember some of the uh, priestly instructions, so let's uh, uh, offer burnt offerings and peace offerings. And um, of course, the people sit down to eat and to drink and rise up to play. As I mentioned before, uh, this is quoted explicitly in 1 Corinthians 10, I believe. Yeah, when he goes through all the Old Testament examples, if you like. Do not become idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. That's referring to um, um, the account in Numbers 25, right? But clearly the idolatry is referring here to Exodus 32.4. I think it's in 1 Corinthians 5 as well that this idolatry is referred to. Yeah. No, it was earlier in, in 1 Corinthians 5 as well. All right. Um, then the Lord knows. Moses doesn't know what's going on, but the Lord knows. And so the Lord um, is angry, of course. Um, he is never pleased with our rebellion. We think that um, his anger, uh, that we don't hear his anger. And I think um, some of that uh, might be actually the pastor's fault. Uh, take some blame here. And that uh, the pastor refuses to speak God's anger I want to be a preacher of, of the good news, of the gospel, forgiveness of sins. Um, but, of course, that means that there's sins. And so to refuse to call to repentance and to um, demonstrate the anger of God um, at our rebellion, um, you know, it's, well, it's a lack of courage on the part of those who are called to rebuke, whether it be the pastor or the parent. Um, you know, that is, um, that's negligence. Right? And we don't, we don't want that either, because then sins left unconfessed are sins left unforgiven. Hmm. All right. Certainly God forgives all sins, um, but we the ones we know and feel in our hearts. It's kind of like, I think it's this way, you know, um, giving an inch, right? And that, oh, well, God's not going to judge us for our rebellion against his word. Like, or, he, or he doesn't seem to have and so, so far. And he's like, yeah, he's patient and he's long-suffering, um, but his patience and long-suffering does come to an end. He's very clear in the scriptures. If not in the, on the final judgment, um, even in a, in a, a temporal judgment. Right, so he could judge you immediately. Uh, you see this with uh, well, you'll see this in what happens to the golden calf people. All right, so um, notice when God says unto Moses, "For your people, your people, Moses, have brought you 
who you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They turned aside from the way I've commanded them, right? Uh, Vicky says, your office is in the stead of Jesus Christ, so you need to be merciful and just. Um, that may be heard for some to hear and understand. Yeah, that may be hard for some to hear and understand. I think so. And I think um, the right way to think of this is uh, the way CFW Walther um, kind of uh, explicates what, what uh, we all learned from Luther, who learned it from the Psalms, is that the gospel always predominates. Right? So even if there is justice, even if there is a preaching of the law, um, the pastor must be quick to forgive as well and let forgiveness always be the final word right to those who repent right but there is a call to repentance i just thought about you know how um it's a lack of courage it's also a kind of negligence and it's a fear of repercussions right or consequences right but to call to someone to repentance rightfully um, maybe there's um, times where the pastor um, or others misuse that authority or or misunderstand the situation but um, if it is true that it's just out of negligence then or um I should say, if the person is rebelling against God uh, willfully, and not, and even, or even just blindfully, um, that call to repentance is necessary. Otherwise, where's what? For, what are we going to forgive? Right? All right. So, yeah, you're right. I think it's hard for people to hear. I think it's generally because we're, we've been taught a kind of passivity, I suppose, but also uh, even a um, what do you want to say? A, a theology of acceptance that we have to accept everyone just as they are, right? Which is a false doctrine taught by our world, but um, certainly not by the scriptures. We don't accept people as they are. Jesus doesn't either. He forgives them. He makes them what they aren't. (laughs) Mm, How's that? All right, so your people, your people, your people. God's angry with the people that Moses brought out of Egypt, uh, that he had had called his own. It's almost like he's disowning them here, I think is the the language of it. And uh, why? Because they turned aside from him to serve after another god. He also describes them in verse 9 as stiff-necked or stubborn, right? So then God tells Moses to leave him alone so that he uh, can grow exceedingly angry, his wrath um, burn hot against these people, and that he consume them. I think Sodom and Gomorrah would be kind of a picture of that. Um, And then he makes this statement, and then I will make of you, Moses, uh, a great nation. All right? Did God really want to destroy the people? Of course not. (laughs) And Moses knows this. All right, so um, this is a, uh, I guess, a rhetorical point, if you like. Um, the Lord is truly angry. That's not, that's not false, or that's not misleading. Um, but Moses is right in saying, on the basis of your promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or Israel, um, you have to relent, right? That's verse 13. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, whom you swore, right? You made a promise. You have to keep your promise. Now, this is the gospel predominating, and Moses is right to call um, in a sense, call out God, right? Uh, Moses does not fail in this test. This is a test from the Lord, and he doesn't fail. He reminds God of his promises, right? God always wants us, in the face of, uh, of his wrath, uh, experiencing his anger or his judgment against sin, is always to say, but you promised to forgive me, right? Because that's, that's the confession of faith. That's a, that's a faithful statement. You notice here, then, that's two Moses interceding on behalf of the people. So we already see here, uh, a picture of Christ and the way he intercedes for us, stands in between us and God and, and tells God to relent of what he, the Father, to relent of the, um, the hurt and harm that he would bring upon us um, for the sake of Christ's suffering and death. So Moses pleads and says, you are a God of grace and mercy, in effect, right? You are the God of mercy. Uh, makes a couple rhetorical points. I like verse 12. What will others say? What will the Egyptians say? 
if uh, you brought them out of Egypt only to harm them, to kill them, and to consume them from the face of the earth. Again, I appeal on the basis of the promise made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do not forget. Um, And then Moses is right. You can't do what you just said to me, make of me a great nation, because that's not what you promised. The promise was given um, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, ultimately to Judah. Moses, uh, if you remember way back in Genesis 49, (laughs) Moses is... um, where is this 49 yeah 49 we have judah is um of course the one to whom the promise is given moses is of the house of levi moses of the house of levi right the priestly office what will be the priestly office remember aaron's his brother the levites all right and of course the lord responds with relenting from the harm which he said he would do to the people not interesting so uh, in a sense you can change god's mind that's an anthropogenic way of speaking speaking in human terms, brothers, but I think, um, but it's right. Uh, We do this every day. This is what our prayers are centered on, holding God to his promises. He says that he has promised to give us daily bread, to forgive us our sins, to lead us out of temptation, to deliver us from evil, um, that his kingdom would come, that his will would be done um, here on earth as it is in heaven, right? So we're holding him to those promises by praying those words to him, right? In the same sense, then we're also praying in faith so that we believe that he'll keep his promises, all right? Pretty intense, right? Uh, so, uh, whether it's the second, third, or fourth commandment, or the rest of the commandments, all the commandments are summarized up in the first commandment, you shall have no other gods. The underlying accusation made by every commandment is that we do not fear. Remember, we should fear, love, and trust in God. Or we should fear and love God so that we... But then the accusation is that we do not fear, love, and trust in God above all, good, all things for uh, every good in our lives. The judgment of the law is that we are rightfully condemned and deserve what God declares, namely, that his anger burn hot against us and we be destroyed. Yet Moses did not trust in the law. He appealed to the grace of God and asked him to remember the, his word of promise, or what we would call the gospel, the good news. He asked that the Lord would forgive and spare the pe- his people according to his mercy. This is true faith, which always relies upon the God of the promise or gospel, rather than upon the harsh judge of the law. So let us never ask for what we deserve, but rather for the salvation which God so freely gives us in his mercy and grace. Never ask for what you think you deserve, because <laughs> you'll make God your enemy. All right. Sing our hymn, Lord Keep Us Steadfast.
All right, let us pray. O Lord, keep your church with your perpetual mercy, and because of our frailty we cannot befall, keep us ever by your help from all things hurtful, and lead us to all things profitable to our salvation. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day. Heavenly Father, we are to make every day holy by hearing, studying, and meditating upon your word. Forgive us our sins against the third commandment. Strengthen us by your word and spirit so that we do not despise preaching in your word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it throughout our lifetime. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, forgive us for not honoring our parents. Strengthen our faith in Jesus so that we do not despise or anger our parents and other authorities, but honor them, serve and obey them, love and cherish them. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray this day for deliverance against all temptation and evil the addicted and despairing, for the tortured and oppressed, and for those struggling with sin. Pray this day with Olivia, celebrating her birthday, with Olivia, spelled differently, celebrating her baptism. We pray for the households of our church, especially Ashley and her family, Jim, Al and Jane, Jim and Elaine, Jesse and Lisa, Jim and Karen. Pray for our catechumens, Wyatt, James, Aaliyah, Lydia, Charlie, Kaylee and Kimberly, Allie and Teresa. Pray for those ill receiving... Um, Treatment or recovering, especially Pam, Joe, Kelsey, Dennis, Naomi, Christopher, Marcy, and Sophie, Brad, Ron, Doug, and Bev, Donna, Jim, Pat, and Wendell, Darlene, and District President Willie. Pray for our homebound. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially that of the Federowitz families. We continue to pray in intercession for the Tupper family and also for all students and teachers uh, returning to class. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, that's our congregation at prayer for today, uh, Tuesday, September 12th, 2023. It's good to have you with us here today. Um, yeah, the job of uh, preaching God's word uh, truthfully, both law and gospel, isn't always easy. Uh, it's not always pleasant, and uh, uh, but it is always necessary, right, for you and for your salvation. So, um, yeah, continue to pray for me and all preachers of God's word that we preach that word faithfully, um, both calling sinners to repentance and forgiving them their sins. All right. With that, uh, I bid you fond farewell. We'll see you again uh, in the morning. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John 
by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.